Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, Hal Elrod. And this episode today is for those of us who are struggling with how we feel about life. We wake up every day and maybe you're lacking passion or purpose or both. And you just feel like, I don't love my life right now. I don't feel great about things. I just am kind of drifting. We're going to reignite that passion that is crucial to your happiness. And my guest today, John R. Miles, is a recognized expert on intentional behavior change, leadership, and personal mastery. And his mission is founded on helping people, you, to master the inner game of life by living intentionally. He's a keynote speaker. He is the founder and CEO of Passion Struck. He's the author of the new book by the same title, Passion Struck, 12 Powerful Principles to Unlock Your Purpose and Ignite Your Most Intentional Life. And last but not least, his globally renowned podcast by the same name, Passion Struck with John R. Miles, has garnered tens of millions of downloads. That is off the charts, y'all. Tens of millions of downloads and consistently holds the title of the number one alternative health podcast worldwide. You're about to meet John. You're about to learn from John. You're going to find out why so many people love John and turn to him when they're struggling with how they feel about life and their mindset and they want help. And he is one of the best in the world at helping you find that passion and purpose that uh, most of us have once had in life. It's about how do we reconnect with that so we can live every day in a way that we love. We love our lives. We love ourselves. We love people around us. And that is more about us changing how we show up than it is about changing the outside forces that we are presented with every single day. Before we dive into the episode with John, I want to take just a minute to thank our sponsors today. First and foremost is Carol Bike. And Carol Bike, you've heard me talk about them. They're a new sponsor and I use the bike every week, multiple times a week. It is the fastest, most effective way to get a cardiovascular workout, not to mention a leg workout because my legs are burning after just eight minutes. It's a quick five to eight minute workout with just few short sprints using Rehit technology. That stands for Reduced Exertion High Intensity Training. So it's scientifically proven to give you one of the fastest, most effective workouts. Again, so you're getting more result in less time and with less effort. If that sounds good to you, head over to carolbike.com forward slash Hal. Again, that is carolbike, C-A-R-O-L, carolbike.com forward slash Hal, and use the discount code Hal for $100 off a bike. And I got a bike. I started using it. I had a 30-day trial and I decided I loved it and I decided to keep it. It is a really one of my favorite parts of my exercise routine throughout the week. Whether it's losing weight or improving your cardiovascular ability, for me, it's cardiovascular. That's where I'm getting the best results. And then last but not least, our longtime sponsor, Organifi. If you want to fuel your nutrition in one of the fastest and simplest ways, I'm not about cutting corners, but I am about efficiency. How can I find the fastest, most effective ways 
to get the outcomes that I want in my life. And Organifi, if you want to boost your nutrition, boost your health, your energy, lose weight, Organifi has a solution for just about any health aspirational goal that you have or challenge that you have, sleep as well. Head over to Organifi.com forward slash Hal. That is spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Organifi.com forward slash Hal and use that same discount code H-A-L for 20% off your entire order. Without further ado, it is my great pleasure to introduce you to my new friend, John R. Miles, talking about why passion is crucial to happiness and meaning in this one life that we've been blessed to live. Enjoy. Hey, John, it's good to be with you, brother. Well, man, it is so awesome to see you again, and congratulations on the relaunch of The Miracle Morning. What a fantastic book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wanted to ask you a question. So you often go by John R. Miles, and I was your middle initial. And I was wondering, I Googled John Miles, and I believe a famous singer comes up. And I was wondering if that's why you have the R <laughs> publicly, so that not to be confused with the singer John Miles. Is, is that it, or am I just making that up? My distant cousin, John Miles in England, and, and my whole family is from England, was a famous singer. I have all three of his albums. <laughs> and Wow. Oh, so I didn't know that he's related to you. Yeah, he's a distant cousin, but I didn't know that at the time. I've gotten to know it uh, over time as I've done more research, but I was able to find, even here in the States, three of his records. Can't imagine he sold that many, but he had a big hit in the early 70s. Yeah. And it has been so hard to get Google rankings against him that, <laughs> or the domain. So I decided to just use my middle initial to differentiate. And uh, I've realized recently, I've put out so much content now that I do get first page ranking on John Miles, okay. but I, I haven't gotten to the top yet. Nice. Yeah. How funny that it, what, what an interesting thing that it, you're like, you know, your cousin, you're like, Hey, can you please change your name or <laughs> do, well, do, do something? He's deceased you know? now. So, Oh, he is. Oh, but the domain uh, is still not available. So Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, I believe that with your, with the, the little that I've gotten to spend with you, the time I've gotten to spend with you, what just following you on social media, you are so authentic and inspirational. And I think with enough time, you can pull the R off your name and you'll be ranked everywhere. Let me start here. So I'm looking at you right now on, on video. A lot of our listeners on the podcast, they won't see this. They'll just hear it. But you're wearing a shirt that says passion struck. Okay. Your book is titled Passion Struck. That brand new book comes out on February 6, 2024. Your podcast, your website, it's all Passion Struck. So I just want to start there. What does that mean and why is sharing that message? Why does that become your life's mission? Now, I have a great story behind this because four years ago, mm -hmm. I didn't even know what the word Passion Struck meant. And I didn't yeah. have it registered. Nothing like that. I was venturing into this new area that I'm doing now of, of helping people with personal mastery. And I had been studying for a number of years, some of the luminaries, the people that we call 10x their lives are in the, the top 5%. And I was looking for patterns of what makes a Mark Benioff a Mark Benioff, or what creates Bono, mm. or Hillary Swank, or whoever you want to think of when you think of high performers, yourself, Robin Sharma. The list can go on. And I kept seeing these principles come back and back again as I was looking at what 
they had intentionally done to craft the ideal life that they wanted. And I remember I was talking to one of these people who's been a long-term mentor of mine, Keith Crotch. Keith founded uh, Ariba, was the CEO and chairman of DocuSign more recently, and most recently was the assistant secretary of state. And when he was in that last job, we were having a, a conversation, and I was talking to him that I had this idea in my mind for a book. And I said, mm. I, it's just, I think I've found one one of the key frameworks that people can use to 10x their life. And I go, it's kind of this framework where you go from this state of being stuck for whatever reason where you're at, and then all of a sudden you, un you life craft this passion inside of you where it drives you to tackle a unique problem that only you can solve. And you are so enamored by it that you're willing to risk everything to go after it because you think it can make such a huge difference to the world. And he goes, John, it sounds like it's someone who's gone from being stuck to passion struck. And I'm like, that's it. Mm. And the crazy thing, we were started out talking about my name. I went to GoDaddy thinking, for sure, this is registered. And then oh, for sure, the thing that pops up first is a perfume from Victoria's Secrets named Passion Struck. So then I'm even more convinced that this <laughs> thing is taken. And I go there and there it is yeah. for 10.99. And I could not believe it. Passionstruck.com. And I was like, this is just a divine intervention right here. And that's been it ever since. And the idea for the book actually preceded everything else. But once I got that name, it's just uh, kind of been the movement. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's funny. I resonate with that so much because when uh, my wife is the one that coined Miracle Morning, it just for me personally, she said, I told her my morning routine was like a miracle because it was changing my life. She goes, it's your Miracle Morning. I go, I love that. So I started writing my schedule Miracle Morning every day. And then one day when I was like, wait, this, you know, I need to share this with others. I need to make this into a book. And same thing. I went to GoDaddy.com and I put, you know, like, I'm sure Miracle Morning is taken. And uh, I was blown away when, like you said, for, and back then it was like $8.99, I think. That was like, 10, you know, 15 years ago, uh, I was able to buy the domain. So yeah, and it almost, it's so funny. I wonder how many people, John, GoDaddy has been interpreted as a sign from the universe, right? <laughs> Where meaning you have an idea, you go, there's no way the domain's available. And then you go and it is, you go, oh, it's meant to be. I wonder how many life purposes GoDaddy has, has created from that. Interesting. And I have another, have another crazy story that happened not too long ago on these same lines. Oh, yeah. I got a buddy who lives right up the, the street from me who's a retired Navy SEAL. John Doolittle. And John is a speaker and he had the speaker page and his, his domain was the domain for his company. And I'm like, why aren't you using your own name? I go, it's available on GoDaddy. Yeah. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I checked six months ago and it wasn't there. And it just so happened that I looked and the name had become available and he grabbed it. So you never know. Wow. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Like for me, there's, there's a Hal Elrod in Houston, a few hours away. And uh, he's got the Instagram handle, Hal Elrod. He's got, <laughs> you know, and uh, so I've got Hal underscore, and, you know, but yeah, 
funny world we live in, how important that is to capture, you know, your, your name, your intellectual property, right? So I've got my kids' names. I'm sure you probably do too. And I've got their domains uh, in case they ever need them. I'd love to back up a little bit and your background before Passion Struck became, you know, you're the CEO of Passion Struck now. It's the book. It's your brand. It's your, your podcast. What was life before that? I know you were a C-suite. You were executive. What led you into this work? What's some of the backstory? Uh, Hal, I've, I've had a dynamic business career. There's very few yeah. positions at, at the top of companies that I haven't sat in. I had always thought I wanted to be a leader. It's something that just growing up was kind of just this passion that that I had. And I did everything to try to pursue it, even at young ages, by starting a paper route so I could learn uh, skills from it, uh, such as having to confront people to get money or self-leadership, knowing mm. that I was going to have to do this every single day, regardless of the conditions. And when it came time to choose what college I was going to go to, I got into some great universities, Brown, Duke, uh, University of Michigan. But there was just something that was pulling me towards this. And so I applied to the Naval Academy, was fortunate enough to get uh, to get in. And to me, it was this sign that if I want to pursue leadership, become the best leader I possibly can, then you've got to go to one of the institutions who's known for creating some of the best leaders in the world. And so it led me to the Naval Academy. Coming out of, out of the Naval Academy, I ended up getting really uh, a fantastic uh, opportunity. I was, I was one of only three people who got selected to work with the National Security Agency. And so I was part of the Navy's element that supports NSA. But because of that, it gave me all these incredible experiences. I was what they call a direct support officer. And so I got to go on aircraft ships, submarines, aircraft carriers. I took on another position where I got to be assigned to a Naval Special Warfare Unit, a SEAL team. And then I was on a joint staff with a, an admiral staff too. And coming out of that, I thought my career was going to be the FBI. That's what I got out of the military to pursue. And mm. the people in Congress were going through the same infighting that we have right now back then, and they couldn't pass the budget. My class was canceled, and it led me to this unintentional reinvention that I had to do because I had a wife at the time, and and so I ended up getting a position in consulting, and the big four consulting then led to an opportunity in industry. I spent the next 10 years in different uh, Fortune 500 companies culminating at the C-level with Dell, and then after leaving Dell, I ended up going into private equity. But to answer your question, when I was at Dell, I was at this point where most people would have thought I was at the peak. I was at this culmination of everything I had aspired to be. And I was at, I was 39 years old. I was living in Austin, not too far down the road from you. And Everything on the outside looked like it was perfect. And one of my favorite studies that you quote in your book is the Cornell one from 2018 that I now quote as well, because huh. when people look back and they start looking at their life as they're approaching the end, what this Cornell study showed is that 76% of them have the same regret, and that is that they 
aren't pursuing their ideal self. And that's exactly where I was stuck. And it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes by Henry David Thoreau, that the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. And that's exactly where I found myself. I had gone into this portfolio career. It hadn't been really that passionate calling, but once I got involved into it, I was further and further into it. And at a point, you get to this aspect where you're in it, and if you're going to in it, you need to maximize the opportunities. And so I started pursuing titles, success, money, everything that came with it. And I might have been financially rich, but I was emotionally bankrupt. And I mm. experienced a severe numbness. I, I can't even explain to someone how apathetic I felt and how I would wake up in the morning and, and it just felt like nothing mattered because what I was looking forward to in my days was an endless set of meetings, HR issues, politics, emails that were everything but fulfilling. And right at that point, I started hearing this inner voice, uh, not like a schizophrenic inner voice, but this inner voice <laughs> who was talking to me. And it was telling me that I wasn't on this path that I was destined to be. And I think one of the things I often look at is self-discrepancy theory, where you have your actual self, your ideal self, and your ought self. And my actual self at that point in time was more aligned with my ought self. So your actual self is who you are. Your ought self is who you think you should be because of the burdens and obligations that you have. And your ideal self is who you desire to become. And I had become my ought self. And I realized that my ideal self was out there, but I wasn't pursuing it. And that was really the launching point that ultimately culminated into doing what I'm doing today. Yeah, I feel like that's a pull for everybody, you know, kind of an inner conflict of even for me, when I'm pursuing my ideal self, I fall back into my ought self, right? I end up, I end up saying yes to too many things that I, at the time might be exciting, but I realized there are unintended consequences. And now it's like, oh, shoot, why am I, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm doing, I said yes to too many things. Now I'm fulfilling other people's priorities. I'm not happy. So I, I think, yeah, I think that anyone watching this, I mean, that's such a, that's a, it's a, such a common universal part of, you know, the human experience in our society. I don't think it's part of the human inherent experience. If you grew up a thousand years ago, right? You, you know, you probably weren't, weren't pulled in so many directions. It was like, all right, let's wake up and let's, uh, you know, forage the land and hunt and, uh, and feed our family and, and then be our ideal self. You mentioned earlier the passion struck framework. And so I'd love for you to unpack some of that, some of the key principles, but I want to ask you first kind of a big picture question about it, which is, I guess there's two questions here before we get into the framework. Number one, would you say that the benefits of living with passion, I think about Tony Robbins when I was 20 years old, I went to a Tony Robbins, you know, UPW, Unleash the Power Within conference and like live with passion. And Tony's a smart guy, right? He realizes that that, like you said, you study the world's most successful people, you find that as a common theme is they have passion, they live with passion, but the average person may not be doing that. So the first question is, what are the, what's the benefit? Like what's the correlation, let's say, between happiness, life satisfaction and passion? That's the first question. In fact, why don't you answer that one and then I'll get to the second. 
I mean, to me, passion is everything. It's integral. It's that catalyst mm. for redefining your beliefs and values. It fuels your transformation and it clarifies one's why. It's the profound connection to passion that not only inspires us to learn and grow, but also plays a crucial role in overcoming limiting beliefs and self-doubts inherent in one's current mindset. So to me, passion is absolutely critical if you want to have this fulfilling life that we all aspire to live. And would you say that that would the opposite of passion be apathy or something else? I kind of say that the opposite of being passion struck is being apathetic. I think, Okay. I guess you, you could say that if you don't have passion, you're indifferent, which is really the same thing as being apathetic. Yeah. Or you're lacking significance yeah. in your life. Uh, a word I like to use is anti-mattering. So you're experiencing anti-mattering or unmattering. Mm. Meaning that you don't feel like you matter? Meaning like you don't feel like you matter. You don't feel like you matter yeah. to other people. You don't feel like your life is impacting society anyway. You don't feel like you're mm. you're going through the motions, but for for what purpose? Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. And the next question, uh, just kind of leading into the framework is what you've discovered is that it is what you've discovered is that this framework, this this passion struck framework that enables someone to intentionally, oh, you could almost say strategically to develop passion in their lives. Meaning I'm asking, I'm just thinking if someone's like, yeah, but I don't have passion. I don't even, I'm not passionate about anything. I do lean more toward, I would say I'm indifferent or I am apathetic. So are, is what your work has has discovered is that if you follow this framework, you can go from being apathetic and indifferent to living, to being passion struck, to really living a life with a genuine, not manufactured, but a genuine, authentic passion. So have you found that the framework bridges that gap? I absolutely have, but I think that there are three magic ingredients that people need to understand. Passion is one. Okay. Perseverance is the other side of the triangle. And let me explain this. So one of my favorite authors, Angela Duckworth, love her work on grit. And there is a lot of similarities because she spent a whole bunch of time studying cadets at West Point. I have firsthand knowledge mm -hmm. being a midshipman from the Naval Academy. And she said that it was physical attributes, passion, and perseverance that allowed someone to get through plebe summer and eventually graduate. And while those things are absolutely true because you need the physical abilities to take care of yourself and to pass the physical trials that they throw at you, you absolutely need the passion that we already discussed, and you need to be able to persevere against the things that are thrown in your way. But the missing part of the triangle, to me, is intentionality. Meaning, you have to realize that if your path is going not in the direction that you want it to, meaning you're, you're failing out of West Point, or you're doing behaviors that could cause an honor violation or could cause some other infraction that leads you from not graduating, then you need to be intentional about course correcting to follow your aspirations and your values. And so to me, I really call it in the book that creating a self-realized life is really that combination of passion, perseverance, and intentionality. So that's absolutely part of mm. the framework but then it goes along with the other three components that are, make up the book. So intentionality and 
yeah, to me, that would be something that if you are apathetic or indifferent, right, that's you're missing intentionality. I would almost say the opposite of passion is apathy and the opposite of intention is indifference, right? Like indifference is, eh, yeah, I got no intention versus intention, right? You're actually being conscious and thoughtful about how you're showing up, how you're approaching life. I've heard you mention that intentionality is, is like a muscle and it grows stronger with every use, which makes sense to me. Most physical capabilities and mental capabilities, right? That muscle analogy seems to make sense. Can you elaborate on this analogy and provide examples of how individuals can exercise, how they can strengthen their intentionality muscle just in their daily lives? When I try to define intentionality for someone, think of it as being purposeful and deliberate action that's taken to achieve a goal. When someone acts intentionally, they're not only aware of their actions, but also of the purpose behind them. And I think that's extremely important for people to understand. So let me give you an example. I think most of us are in this day-to-day conundrum that we find ourselves in because we're going through the same motions. And whether you say we have 60,000 thoughts a day or 90,000 thoughts a day, depending on who you're talking to, we get in this pattern of making repetitive decisions all the time that kind of leave us stagnated. To me, those are the unintentional decisions that are just occurring in our life. They're oftentimes the easy decision, meaning instead of working on this paper that I have to do for this graduate degree that I'm pursuing, I'm going to watch TV or I'm going to have a beer with the guys. Whereas if you start getting in the habit of making intentional choices, micro choices throughout the hours that make up your day, you start making them more and more in alignment with the long-term aspirations that you have, the short-term goals, but more importantly, your core values. And what ends up happening is the more you keep making these micro choices, they build upon each other. To me, it's it's like mm. if you look at burnout, burnout doesn't just happen overnight. You start feeling burnout even when it's just below the surface and then it eventually builds up. To me, the same happens if you want to 10x your life. You start making intentional choices that form into habits that create greater actions over time that culminate into a 10x life. Yeah, I'm trying to think of when I was younger, I don't know if I learned this somewhere, I just, it came to me, but it was the idea of making value-added choices, right? Which is every choice that you make, the question for me was, between these two decisions, which one adds the most value to my life? Right. If I'm choosing which food I'm going to eat at a restaurant, like that looks really good. That cheeseburger with extra bacon and, you know, and this and that, that looks really good. Or there's this other chicken breast with lean meat and not so much preservatives, whatever it is. It's like, which decision adds value to my life? And I think that's what you're talking about. These micro decisions every single day. Are you making the decision that adds the most value to your life or the one that is the easiest or the one that brings you the most instant pleasure and dopamine? hit, dopamine rush, that kind of thing. One of the things you talk about is shifting from external validation, which I think, again, part of it is our society. Uh, I think part of it also is just inherent in us that we want external validation. In fact, my daughter the other day went through a, a teen mastermind. And when she got home, I said, what did you learn? She said, oh, we learned about the six human needs. I said, amazing. And she goes, I realized that significance is my number one need. I'm like, oh, when I was your age, it was my number one need too. Nothing wrong with that at all. And anyway, we talked about it, it's shifting. But you talk about the idea of shifting from external validation to embracing intrinsic validation, intrinsic drivers. I think that's intriguing. 
So how does passion struck guide readers in identifying and harnessing these intrinsic motivations? And maybe you can even, for the listener, for someone that's not aware of extrinsic versus intrinsic as part of their vocabulary, I don't want to assume. So maybe define the difference between those two motivators. Yeah, there's a great book. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not by Tim Kasser. It came out in 2003 called The High Price of Materialism. And in it, he offers a, a scientific explanation of how contemporary culture that we find ourselves in is driven by consumerism and materialism. So when you think of external validation or external motivation, it's typically things that are aligned with that. It's such as making money, achieving success, getting a higher title at work, driving for being a certain position that you think is going to bring you these things. And what people don't realize is the way that it ends up affecting our everyday happiness and our psychological health. And what he shows in the book is that those people whose values center on extrinsic drivers face greater risks of unhappiness, including anxiety, depression, low esteem, and even problems with intimacy compared to those who are more focused on intrinsic drivers. So intrinsic drivers are those things that bring you inherently internal satisfaction. The way I like to think of it is they're the relationships that you cultivate. There's, I'm sure you're aware of it. There was a great study that's been going on for 80 plus years now called the Harvard Study of Advanced Development. And what they have shown is that the biggest key to long-term happiness is the relationships we cultivate. So, I mean, that's one just Mm. right there. But to me, it's really following what you're passionate about, but not only passionate, to me, it's really doing things that are in service of others. Because if you look at the work from Dacker Keltner at UC Berkeley, what he has found is that the times we most commonly find ourselves in the state of awe is when we're witnessing other people doing acts of kindness or we ourselves are doing acts for other people. And so to me, it's those intrinsic things that we are doing that light our fire inside that ultimately bring us contentment and happiness and cultivating this life that we want. So that's what I mean between the difference between external drivers and internal drivers. And what do you feel like the, I guess, if we can talk about some tangible, some tips, some strategies on how do you develop intrinsic drivers, intrinsic motivation? If somebody is listening and they go, well, I'm not intrinsically motivated. Like for me, it is about impressing my colleagues or getting that recognition from some sort of outside source, which again, I think that we're, our society conditions us for that. When you're a kid, if, you, if you're a first grader and you get praised for answering a question right, right, that feeds that human need for significance. Now you feel relevant, you feel important, et cetera. So how does one go about developing intrinsic drivers, intrinsic motivation? So this is something that I really reference in the third portion of my book. I call it the psychology of progress. Mm. And mm. this is all about the role that action plays and its role in reshaping our mindset and behaviors. Because if you're currently thinking that way, and that's how you're you're going about the actions that you're taking, then you're going to pursue actions that continue to go in that direction. However, if you start to think about things a little bit differently and how you can 
start integrating different life goals into the things that you're chasing, seamlessly integrating those things into your behavior starts changing your brain's neural pathways, adapting them, and over time, those behaviors start becoming different. So to me, it's really this internal drive by following your passions and journey and your journey of life that helps you move beyond the need for this external validation and developing mm. a deep sense of matter within yourself, a feeling significant and valued. And this sense of mattering then anchors us to our why, energizing our pursuit of goals with the relentless determination or that inner spark that influences not only our how we persevere through challenges, but also guide set is the guide post behind our mindset shifts. So that's kind of how I think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that totally makes sense. And I think that true fulfillment comes from developing those intrinsic drivers because otherwise your emotional well-being is dependent on outside forces that you don't have control over. Right. If the other person, if you're not getting the praise that you want or you're not getting the response from other people that you want, then you don't feel fulfilled. Um, we had uh, I had Jamie Kern Lima on the podcast recently. Her episode will come out here in a couple of weeks. Her new book, Worthy, it's all about feeling worthy, right? If you can generate those feelings, those intrinsic feelings of self-worth and worthiness, then you are no longer dependent on outside forces for your mental and emotional well-being. I want to talk about Passion Struck emphasizes a, I guess I'd call it a blueprint for personal growth. And listeners of this podcast, personal growth is for most of us at the forefront. It's the center of our lives. But again, your book, it, it talks about living a life of significance. Could you elaborate on getting into the actionable steps or uh, strategies that readers can expect to find in the book that will help them transform their lives? The book, as I was explaining earlier, earlier has three parts. The third part that I just talked mm. about, which is the psychology of progress, but it has two other fundamental components that make up the passion struck framework. And those are six mindset shifts and then six behavior shifts. And so I can start by naming off a couple of them, but the way I came to these was by studying these luminaries that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast and what allowed them to 10x their lives, to become part of the 5% who were able to break through. And these things kept coming up as recurring ways that all of them were shaping their lives. And as I was going through my own personal transformation, I was able to utilize each of these myself and helping me get from where I was feeling apathetic at the time to doing what I'm doing today. And so the first one is something that I call the mission angler, and it's really about life crafting. It goes from there into once you start going down this path of crafting this ideal self that you want, you're going to have to start reinventing yourself to go along with this new person you want to become. And after that, the next thing that typically starts happening is you have this new direction in life. You're starting to take steps to reinvent yourself. And then most often you start running into people, influences who start being negative influences. So the next step yeah. is to become a mosquito auditor and audit out the human mosquitoes. From there, it, <laughs> it then goes into, along with that will then come self-doubt, imposter syndrome, limiting beliefs. So it's becoming a fear confronter. 
after that, it goes into becoming a perspective harnesser, which is really understanding how to use cognitive restructuring to take what most of us think of as linear approaches to how we're thinking about things, either or, and make them become both and thinking. So thinking of not only your mind, but mind and body is an example of that. And then the last mindset shift is being the action creator. And in each, so those are the first six at a very high level, but in each one of these, the way I lay them out is I kind of go through a personal experience of me using it. I then go through the principles themselves, and then I highlight well-recognized people in most of the chapters that so people could understand how some of these luminaries I describe are implementing these in their own life. For instance, the Mission Angler has Gary Vee and Jim McKelvey, the founder of Square in it. The Mosquito Auditor one has Oprah Winfrey and Thaddeus Bullard, who goes by Titus O'Neill in the World Wrestling Foundation. The action creator has uh, retired astronaut Wendy Lawrence in it and Mark Cuban. So I try to use that. And then at the end of it, I give actionable tips and then exercises that people can use. And then the psychology of progress really then becomes the mechanics for how do you just take this information and instead of it being information, being it something that you learn how to apply in your life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that for me, as as a fellow author, I feel like most books shift people's thinking, but not their behavior. And so all they get is they finish reading a book. They're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I got so many great ideas. Now I'm going to read another book. And then because that book didn't initiate behavior change for them, then they go on to another book. And now they've forgotten most of what they read in the last book. And they go from book to book to book. So I'm going to ask you kind of a confronting question, if you will. I mean, I think you've answered this question a lot throughout, but if there's, if you have any, any other answer to this other than all of what you've shared today, in your opinion, what distinguishes Passion Struck from other self-help or personal development books on the market? Because again, there's so many of them. And I think that if I'm, a, if I'm listening to this, I'm going, oh man, I've got, you know, I've got books on the shelf I need to read. So what would you say distinguishes Passion Struck from other books? Well, I didn't write this to be read. I wrote it to be lived. And to me, that Mm. was an essential component of this is I wanted to put something out there that people could come back to again and again and again and keep learning and applying it because our life is a series of ups and downs. And this framework is meant to help you understand where you're at in the passion struck continuum and then what steps you can use to take yourself to the next level. And so that would be my answer. I I wanted it to be a book like yours or Jim Quick's that, you know, I I love Limitless because it's something that I come back to all the time as I want to brush up on my approach to speed reading or how I'm thinking about uh, my approach to learning or yours. Even though I've been doing the Miracle Morning now for seven or eight years, I still come back to it at times to relook at it and am I really implementing the things in the right way or should be doing it differently. So it was really meant to be a living guide that will be complemented in the future with ebooks, the Passion Struck University, online coaching and more things so that it's not just something that you put on on your bookshelf, but it's something that you utilize yeah. as a regular essential component of how you want to build your life. 
Yeah. Well, you have a very popular podcast and social media following that, you know, so that you are already beyond the book. You're, you've been sharing Passion Struck for years. Where's the best place for people to get Passion Struck to get the book? And then also to follow you for your podcast, for your inspiration on social media, so on and so forth. Hal, thank you for asking me that. So as we talked about at the beginning, I use my middle initial. So John R. Miles, <laughs> you can find me on all the social platforms. It's the, my website as well johnrmiles.com and anything passionstruck uh, you can go to passionstruck.com that's where you'll find the book that's where you'll find the podcast and uh, so many more things that you can get access to awesome and i just want to clarify for everybody listening j o h n r miles m i l e s just cuz i have a lot of john i got a bunch of john friends with j o n and a bunch of john friends with j o h n so that's a name right they can have a couple ways to spell it so well john you're seriously, I don't know where the word delight came to me. That doesn't usually come to me, but a delight. Like I just, I really enjoy uh, the time that I get with you. And I just, I give a very, like I said, a very just sincere, authentic and inspiring way about you. And thank you for how you're showing up in the world. And thank you for uh, getting that domain passionstruck.com and writing the book and starting the podcast and sharing your gifts with the world. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you so much. It was such an honor to be here and to get to serve your community. Awesome, brother. Well, goal achievers and members of the Miracle Morning community, like John said, he didn't write the book to be read. He wrote it to be lived. So if you're looking for a book to help you transform your life, check out Passion Struck everywhere books are sold or go right over to passionstruck.com to check out John's social media following, his podcast, and the book as well. So love you all so much, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 